Just well, Fred, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Now, Fred, not many people know this about you, and certainly I didn't either, but you were actually once an economics student. What was the change from economics to music and entertaining? It was it was uh, uh, an unexpected transition, oddly enough. I had I was the first of my generation to go to university, you know, from our family. We we came from uh, from Mennonite southern manitoba background and uh, and my dad was in the canadian forces and uh and by the time i reached you know my my late teens it was what am i going to do with my life direction and uh so i finished high school and i thought well I'll, I'll go to university because that was a preferable thing to do because nobody had told me that i could ever make a career as a musician so i, I went to university and i i, I did a basic arts program with a major in, uh, in economics. And, uh, and then after I got my degree, my, my father and my younger sister, who was born with Down syndrome, she, she died and then my dad died a year later. So I was faced, you know, after, after this graduation with, with mortality, you know, uh, awareness that, that two of the most important people in my life were gone now. And now what am I going to do with my life? I knew I didn't really want to be an economist. I had done that particular path just to really satisfy my parents desire for their for their child to, to you know, go to university right. so I, I did my soul searching at that point at what am I capable of doing because I had no other skills I wasn't trained for anything but following my bliss with music because that was the one thing that I'd always participated in from grade school high school uh, even at university all, all sorts of choirs and and folk groups. And so I thought, well, here it is. Here, here's my point of transition. Let's see if in fact I can make something of myself from a musical point of view. And I just started playing and performing, acting, doing any kind of theatrical event. And that ultimately led to uh, working with families in the late seventies. So is this kind of where Cornstock emerged from the band that you used to be in? Yeah, exactly. In 1973, Cornstalk began, and it was with uh, with some friends that I, I had known, you know, in, in my Winnipeg days. Uh, the, the leader, his name is Al Simmons, and Al and I, oddly enough, were in Air Cadets together. Oh. Uh, our, our fathers were both in the military, so they, they encouraged us to do that. And Al and I became instant friends, or, or continued our relationship, you know, on a musical path. And yeah, and Cornstalk was born in 73 to 77, and we toured from Calgary to Toronto was our, wow. our span. We didn't go uh, too much farther. Well, we have something in common. I was an air cadet as well, 357 Goose Squadron when I was a, a, a wee oh, lad. Hey, 170 City of St. James <laughs> Squadron. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> nice. So when you're recording, I mean, a lot of people just get flustered and filled with anxiety do you remember the very first time you walked into that recording studio you know feeling like you made it i i had i had no intention ever of doing uh doing a recording and then and then an offer sort of came up after doing a, a presentation in, in in winnipeg uh from a from a doctor and his wife who loved my my singing it was a a children's performance that my ex-wife and i had put together wow. and excuse me and, and I'd, I'd written all the music for it they love my sound so they basically gave me a blank check to uh, go and make a recording uh unbelievable godsend 
And I, I remember we a beautiful studio in Winnipeg called Wayne Fanukin Studios. And, um, and, and, and I, I was excited, certainly. I, I brought together friends, you know, musicians in, in the city who were, uh, who were prepared to, to help with this project. And I, I was a, a novice when it came to, to the recording industry, but, but getting into a studio and, and, and just watching, really paying attention to what was going on and the positioning of microphones and trying to do, you know, sing as, as clearly, you know, it's all the things that you would normally do in, in a recording thing. You, you want it to be as, as good as possible. So warm up your voice, you know, prepare before you, before you uh, actually put something on tape. Uh, so there was apprehension a little bit because this was a, a huge new step in my, in my, my musical career, right. but it, uh, it seemed to work out all right. <laughs> now, do you still get overwhelmed when you go into that studio? I mean, you have a new song called somebody believes mm. when you walk in to do that recording. And I saw that video, you had so many people in there, all different talents, like, just watching it, I felt overwhelmed. Oh, that's very sweet of you to say. Uh, it it was a major, major project to do. My uh, my my dear friend and and uh, and co-producer Paul O'Neill, he he put together, <coughs> pardon me, he put together many of the musical pieces for that. Okay. And and we just started building it, then bringing in the choir and and uh, and making it as strong a piece as we we possibly could. Uh, at that point, I'd, I'd already done 13 albums, you know, so I was pretty, I'm, I am pretty comfortable in, in a studio space. And, uh, and with that song in particular, I, it came from a really, really interesting position. And I, I just loved the, the process that we were into. And, and I loved the message that it was conveying to the listening audience. Now, I was reading online that Somebody Believes is actually based off of, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, um, a, a child at World Vision, is that right? Uh, yes, there was a fellow named Ed, Edgardo Gonzalez. He's from the Philippines, and uh, and the uh, I was at I I've been connected with World Vision for many years. I went to Africa to do a program oh. for child sponsorship in the early early twenties, early 20, 2010, somewhere around there, and. Uh, and there was a, a support event happening in Vancouver for other people who were, you know, sponsoring children, and just to, just to give them a pat on the back. Sure. And, uh, and Edgardo was presenting there. <coughs> Pardon me. And uh, and and his story was, uh, World Vision had had come to the Philippines to to be as helpful as they could to the to the folks there, and there was his family, and World Vision sponsored his you know his his siblings and ultimately he he's now come to canada he's working for world vision uh wonderful wonderful man really a delicate gentle beautiful soul and in the course of his presentation he said i wouldn't be here now if somebody hadn't believed in me somebody believed in me so i i i succeeded in life and i'm i'm listening to him and as i do when i'm when I'm uh, anywhere that when I know there's a lot of energy happening, I've got my notepad out. I'm making right. little, you know, scrawls here and there. Wow. And the phrase "somebody believes" is so universally true that in our world, if we don't have 
uh, whether it's a teacher or or a family member or whoever, if somebody doesn't come up and give you that pat on the back and say, you're, you're doing good work and keep it up and, you know, all of that stuff that we, we feel buoyant and ready to continue. Of course. Um, that phrase, somebody believes, is, uh, is, is just very, very powerful. So I absorbed that. I went back to my hotel room. And within, within about an hour, I had the song. It was Beautiful. one of those, you know, I- inspirational moments that, uh, that really, really filled me, certainly to the brim. Now, you had mentioned your experience with 13 children albums released and your familiarity yeah. with the studio. You actually have a, an album called Fred's Favorites. But is there a Fred's favorite song out of all the songs you're like, that's the one I, I love the most? There, there's, <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of tunes that I've written along the way. And, and, and as I said, some of them happen very quickly. Some of them are, are, you know, are, are still works in progress. Uh, but but there's, there's a song that I wrote a while back. I, I, I am a family entertainer. I work with, uh, you know, certainly with children, with parents, with grandparents. I try to encompass, you know, families on, on all, all the spectrum, right? And, uh, and I, I try and bring messages that have, have value, like, like somebody believes, like take good care of each other, the last song of Fred Penner's Place. And there's a tune I wrote called Proud. And, uh, and as we're, we're going through this, this COVID experience, the, uh, and I've, I've used this a few times in performance, how I am so proud of the caregivers and the and the frontline workers and all the people who have have uh, have put themselves on the line to to make a difference for all of us. So the so the, the the word proud the the song itself you've got to be proud of the people around you proud of the things that you do proud of your dreams and feelings inside never afraid to let them come true never afraid to make them come true. That's um, beautiful. You know, so it it it's uh, it it has that kind of message that is again universal, but it uh, but it touched people, and I've had lots of lots of really positive response to that song and to that message and to that that energy. So so I'll put proud at the top of the list today. <laughs> Beautiful. We're gonna take a, a quick break, and we'll be right back. Excellent. <laughs> 